What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am here with a really, really good friend that I recently got to kind of get to know a little bit better as uh, our church started up Wednesday nights. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. I'm not going to introduce him because he's he's got all the words. But uh, go ahead, introduce yourself, and I'm going to get into asking you some questions, man. Awesome. Thank you. I'm, first of all, really happy to be here. Yeah, super no problem. excited. Uh, <laughs> My name is Heston Jordan, and uh, I'm married, father of two kids. Uh, I grew up in the church. My dad's actually the pastor of the church that mm-hmm. my family attends. Uh-huh. And so, uh, yeah, Rock Springs Baptist Church, what up? <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. I tell you what, I have I think I've been here for two, maybe, it might be three years. I can't remember. Maybe four. I don't know. It's been a little bit, and uh, I've loved this church ever since. Ever since I got here, you guys have really had a very loving environment, and it is you can definitely walk in and tell that God's here, and that's that's the goal at the end of the day. That's awesome. But uh, I do have a couple questions for you, talking about uh, just like pastors and pastors' kids and and such things. But uh, I, we're going to get into that here in just a minute. I want to ask you, uh, how did you feel called into the ministry? How did you feel called into you know, being involved in the church? And uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but I'll let you go ahead and talk about what you started leading uh, here recently. So go ahead and yeah, hit it. So super exciting. I've recently got the opportunity to teach one of our, or I like to say facilitate one of our mm-hmm. men's mm-hmm. Wednesday night studies. <laughs> and uh We've been in Second Timothy, which is a great study by Joby Martin, um, which we'll I, I hear we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, kind of how I got got into that was just a, a series of fortunate events, really, uh, the, where the Lord just kind of led me one step at a time, and through multiple steps of obedience, finally led to me led to where I am mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. So super super humbled, super excited about it. Uh, men's ministries, one of those things that's really important to me. Awesome. Uh, for many reasons, but, right. but mostly because it was something that I didn't necessarily always have in my life that I wish I would have. And mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of spurred me on that way. Awesome. Now, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but what what events specifically are you, were you thinking about a minute ago? Well, you know, and it's funny, and I, I don't want to be super vague, but it, a lot so many that I can't really say all of them. And mm-hmm. that's it's just multiple times in my in my life recently uh situations with my wife, situations with other men who've, who've stepped into my life that the Lord's brought into my life that have spoke words of encouragement and, um, through, through time and prayer and just little things. I, I kind of felt like Gideon at times, you know, seeing whether the fleece was wet or dry, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. it, it all just kind of, uh, which anybody who's ever said yes to any sort of, of, you know, in obedience to the Lord understands what that release is like, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I get this. Right. And so you step out on faith and it's those opportunities, you know, like that, that you take and you, those steps that you take that lead you there. Awesome. Yeah. I just, I just had a random thought. Uh, I've kind of asked people in the past about this, but through that, you know, did you have any challenges? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of ta- challenges, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not the, I'm not the greatest out loud speaker. I'm not always the most bold. In fact, most people would consider me an introvert. So right. for me to, to, to facilitate a, a men's <laughs> class, you know, is kind of out of the ordinary for me, but I think it's just the calling that, you know, mm-hmm. it's been said and I think it's great. He, he, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. Yep. And you know, we've kind of wore that out, but I don't really think you can. It's, no. it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. And you know, believe it or not, uh, and I'm going to mention this to everybody on here. 
uh, Heston was the one that kind of inspired this new season of God Equips the Called, you know, as we were having that conversation where we got the chance to just talk and visit and get to know each other better down here on Wednesday. Uh, you had talked about kind of just, you know, how you wanted to hear people's testimonies about just getting called into the ministry, how that felt, how that was. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe it or not, you you did inspire that. You inspired this season. So I appreciate the wise advice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, you know, it's it's great. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it. I'm glad I'm glad it was able to be used. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm gonna jump into the pastor side of it now. Uh you did mention, you know, that you're the pastor's son. And uh what is it like to to be a pastor's kid? It's there's a an immense amount of pressure that nobody sees, and that's just kind of cutting to the quick of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, part of being this this pastor's kid is is you have to uphold this, uh, and maybe you know maybe it's a lie from the the enemy, but I think sometimes you you feel this pressure from from members of the church too, because, you know, the pastors looked to for wisdom and right. for discernment and to teach the, the word. Right. And so, you know, that is assumed to just trickle down through the rest of the family. And, and most of the time it does, mm-hmm. but you know, that creates a lot of pressure for the, the kids to not only know the truth, but also live it as well. Even when maybe necessarily it's something that they're struggling with in their hearts. Cause we're truth is we're all human. Right. And right. we all sin. Mm-hmm. And we're all our own individual people. Nobody can control another person, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who can know the heart except for the Lord. Right. And right. so that's kind of the way that I saw it growing up. It was just a little bit of a pressure, which is kind of funny because I wasn't always a pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. I wasn't born into my dad being, a, you know, a pastor. Right. Yeah, right. So it's kind of funny. I, I can't imagine somebody who's maybe grown up in that all the way. So I've got to see multiple parts of it. You know, by the time I came around and really got up to where I can remember, my parents were born again believers. And then there shortly, my dad became a deacon at the church we were at. And then he got called in the ministry later on. And so I kind of got to see all facets of church life, I, you right. know, everything in front and behind the doors. And so it's been, it's been an excellent opportunity, but it's, it's a challenge mm-hmm. for a kid to take that in and know what to do with. Right. And uh, speaking of just that a little bit and about that calling, I, I'm not 100% sure, but is it in First Timothy where he talks about, uh, you know, pastors and deacons and, mm-hmm. and all those people that hold positions in the church mm-hmm. having a higher standard? Is it is it First Timothy? Yes, yes. Yeah. So that, would you say that that uh, higher standard, I guess, is almost put not only on the pastors, but on the pastor's family too? Oh, absolutely. Well, it, it, you, God doesn't call a man to be a deacon or a man to be a pastor or trustee or or hold any position at church. He calls the family. Mm -hmm. They're a unit, Mm -hmm. you know, just like, you know, we are the family of God. We move together as one. Right. It's the same thing with, you know, the earthly family, uh, the Christian family. They're all called Mm -hmm. to to any purpose, no matter what it is. And that's super important to remember. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I 100% 100 believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was just a random thought that I had, but, uh, Speaking on that just a little bit deeper, uh, I had the question, you know, why why do pastors' kids uh, tend to go astray? You know, why we we've talked about, you know, you being a pastor's kid and everything, but I think we can broaden this a little bit to you know just pastors' kids in general. Uh, 
I would say that a lot of them are held to that standard, you know, and a lot of a lot of those kids are looked to as, you know, they do no wrong and they they have to almost be perfect in a way, you know. And so why why do you think that pastors kids tend to go astray after that? I know well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I don't they don't feel seen. Mm-hmm. They they don't feel seen. And I know, especially in my life, sometimes I felt, I felt unseen. I was, I was the pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't Heston. I right. wasn't, I wasn't who I, who God called me to be yet, mm-hmm. you know, and I fell into that family category, which is, which is great, which is fine. I know a lot of, of pastor's kids struggle with that, with mm-hmm. feeling seen. And until they, they grow up a little bit and they start to, you know, understand their own uniqueness in, in their relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. they're not going to find identity. Mm-hmm. And so right. that's, that's important. Um, I think maybe another reason is that they don't feel like their testimony is enough. Mm-hmm. They don't, they've maybe, you know, for me, even though I wasn't born into, you know, the pastorate with my dad, um, I could even see up through the years how, you know, I just wasn't exposed to some of the things that other people were. I wasn't right. exposed to some of the sins and to some of the, you know, the trials and, and the tribulations that other people had to go through mm-hmm. to get to where they are as a Christian. Right. And so I think sometimes you feel like my testimony, I don't have a good enough testimony. There's no huge conversion story. There's no, oh man, I was really screwed up on this or with that mm-hmm. and tangled up in that. And God saved me and boom, there's a big transformation there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, which I mean, I got saved at the age of six, right? That's when, that's when I felt the tug on my heart and I, I gave my life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was not a lot a six year old could do besides maybe steal a cookie or two, you know? <laughs> right, right? Really, you know, speaking, you know, and so that's, that's another reason that I think, and I think the devil just lies and, and makes them think, think that they're missing out. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to a lot of people, not only pastors, kids, but I think a lot of people feel like their testimony has to be something super extravagant, you know, Mm -hmm. and super amazing and some big transformation, like you said. But in reality, I really think that that's a lie of the enemy and a lie of the devil. You know, I think that that's something that he uses to keep those stories, you know, silent in a way. Mm -hmm. And in reality, you know, everybody's testimony is just as important. You know, somebody's testimony of, going being a murderer and then getting saved, you know, whatever the case may be and completely changing their life versus somebody that, that grew up in church and maybe didn't go as far as, you know, murdering somebody, mm-hmm. but grew up in, in church and found Jesus and, and got saved. Like that person's testimony is just as important. I mean, would you agree with that? I would totally agree. And it's something that I've really come to grips with with recently. Mm-hmm. And it's actually given me a lot of closure, our study in second Timothy, believe it or not, really because of the part in chapter two, there in verse starting verse 20, where he talks about the different uses for different utensils and different containers in the mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And it got me, you know, basically the just is just keep yourself pure, you know, right. before the Lord, make sure you don't have anything, you know, you know, you're between you and him mm-hmm. and that way you can be used for special purpose. And I think what people like me, uh, who who grew up in church or were were deacons' kids or pastors' kids or whatever mm-hmm. Sunday school teachers' kids is you were spared you have a purpose right God set you apart for something more mm-hmm. and not everybody can say that right you know I, it it makes me think back to what you were talking about in First Timothy talking about the 
the qualifications for mm-hmm. some of these positions. And the, the kind of people that grow up in church and have these so-called, quote, sheltered childhoods, mm-hmm. I honestly and truly believe have been set apart for something that, that they they might not have been able to be ready for. You right. know, they don't have all this baggage. And it, it you, you feel like you're missing out or you feel like you need to go out and, and try things so that you have some credibility mm-hmm. when in reality, that's just a lie. It is. Right. It's just a lie, like, like we were just talking about. And so understanding that, <laughs> that you don't have to to go out there and make a mess of your life to have this huge testimony that you can understand that, hey, I have a special purpose for my life. Not that I'm better than, than anyone by any means. Right. That's right. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is everybody's called for a purpose. Your mm-hmm. purpose just may be different than somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Almost as if uh, pastors, kids, or maybe not pastors, kids specifically, but just kids like that, like you said, that don't have all of that baggage, for instance, they're almost being equipped for something bigger in the future that they don't realize yet. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah. You know, is that what I'm understanding? At least, right? it's, at least it's what I'm experiencing in my right. life. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, when, when you don't have all this baggage to, to tote around or get rid of before you're ready to go, mm-hmm. it's a whole lot easier to make yourself presentable for special use. Oh, yeah. You know, and so I, I, what I guess what I'm saying is I'm very thankful mm-hmm. to the Lord for his provision in my life. Cause I can see looking back through my life, even at times when I, you know, set myself apart from my relationship with him and, and tried to rebel mm-hmm. that I can, I can think of times where, you know, he would pull the reins mm-hmm. <laughs> and say, Hey, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you go there. Right. Because, you know, you've got people who are in your corner who are praying for you and who have spoke things into your life and you've lived up to this point and I've got you set up for this particular purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. know what it is just yet even. Right. But he, I've got you set up for this, so I'm not going to let you screw it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. going to let you screw it up, son. You know? Right. And so that's kind of what I, that's just what I've seen in my life. And I, I can imagine other people who, who get upset with, you know, not only themselves, but maybe the Lord just kind of mm-hmm. figuring out what, what is my purpose here? What right. am I doing? I don't have that success story. Right. When in all reality, you, you're you set up for success already. Mm-hmm. And I can openly say that I I can catch myself in that position sometimes of sitting there trying to figure out, you know, why I'm here and what the purpose is. But gosh, sometimes you, you won't figure it out until you absolutely have to. You know, God, even through the storm, sometimes you won't figure out why until after. And even after, sometimes you won't even figure out why. I mean, that's some of that stuff God just doesn't want you to know, you know, because it's better off for you not to know in, in the end. So we may have already answered this question, but, uh, why, why do you feel like pastors, kids are viewed as, you know, perfect and, and unstained and just not flawed at all? You know, I love this question. I I think, I think it's because people think the pastor is a perfect parent. Mm. (laughs) Dude, that's true. That's <laughs> you know true. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I think my dad would be okay with that because he understands that, that he, and he would hope people understand that he's human too. Mm-hmm. I know this for a fact, mm-hmm. you know, the gospel saved him just like it does everybody else. Right. And so, you know, my parents aren't perfect. They'll be the first to admit that, but they'll know that they, they did their best in, in the stewardship of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, that's one of the reasons. Uh, but I think the facts is they're just really high expectations mm-hmm. and, and not that they're unattainable right. expectations for the most part, but I think there's just a lot of focus 
and a lot of light that's shed on the family, right? The pastor's family, mm-hmm. and and so for them to, I think I just would hope that people would understand that, that they're that they're human too, that right. the family's human too. Yep, I I can definitely say that that's probably the best answer you could give. Honestly, like I can say that in the past in my life, I have viewed pastors, not a pastor specifically, but pastors as perfect people. I mean, you, you honestly in, in a, from a young Christian's perspective, not having a lot of this word in your heart and not being as mature of a Christian as most could be, uh, you view, for instance, disciples as perfect. You view pastors as perfect youth pastors, deacons, like all those people that hold those positions, I can say that I definitely viewed them as perfect at one time, you know, and like they did no wrong. But once you start reading and once you start realizing that, you know, these people are no different than me, you know, they, they have that higher standard, obviously, because they accepted that call of, of preaching or being a deacon mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. But uh, they, they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and that was... That was probably the biggest awakening for me as a as a young Christian was realizing that like the disciples even and and Abraham and Moses, you know, people that were used by God for huge things, they're not perfect and they failed just just like I do. Mm-hmm. And that was almost a very encouraging moment mm-hmm. number 1, but just a, a an awakening moment of realizing that, which which is awesome. But uh, we we kind of talked about you know pastors, pastors, kids, and and your life. And I wanna I wanna finish it off with this before we hop in to our message that we we're gonna talk about today. And I think this is a great way to end it all. Uh, what is your testimony? How has all of this led up to you know you getting saved at the age of six and just that testimony? Yeah, no, I my testimony is pretty. Nice, neat, short, and sweet, as mm-hmm. my first grade teacher used to say. Um, I was saved at the age of six. Mm-hmm. Some people have trouble with that. They don't think a kid's a, a child is is able to make that right. sort of decision. Yeah, um, and that's fine. That's that's one hundred percent okay uh, mm-hmm. if you believe that. Um, for me, it was an experience that I, you know, if you've if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know exactly what feeling I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's not a fuzzy emotional, you know, all you know. I feel great. You know, I'm a kid, you know, it's, it's like Christmas morning. No, it's, it's a true, it's a true feeling. Mm-hmm. And peace. Some, peace. peace. And yes. Mm-hmm. Even somebody like me who didn't necessarily, who, who had obviously experienced sin, cause you have to experience sin and you have to know what sin is in order to make a decision, right? You have to exactly. repent from something. Mm-hmm. So while I wasn't perfect, even at that age, <laughs> I still knew enough to know that I needed, I needed a savior. Yeah. I needed yeah. rescue. I didn't want to spend an eternity separated from God. I wanted to live a life in relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And I knew that even at the simple age of six. And maybe what led up to that was, was people who were people who, who spoke into my parents' lives and ultimately led them to that decision. It's a generational thing. I know, uh, in our studies talked about how God calls first names, not last names. Right. But there were many first names who were called, Mm-hmm. into that relationship to get me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was kind of the the prequel to, to that salvation experience. 
fast forward through the years, you know, Heston maybe almost kind of forgets it. Doesn't really forget it. He's always got this relationship. He's got right. good parents who are always reminding him about that relationship and what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, you know, where life goes. Cause, cause things change. You, you grow, you mature. Exactly. But I yeah. never, I, <laughs> I never walked away from it. Mm-hmm. I guess I should say, um, didn't really know where I was headed mm-hmm. at the same time. And, uh, Still went to church, still went to Sunday school, went to camps. Uh, but one particular summer, I uh, went to camp. It was actually the Texas County Baptist Associational Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 15, and I remember uh, it was a really moving week for me yep. uh, in many ways. Uh, I, I was kind of maturing mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things were, were happening, things were turning in my in my heart and in my mind and in my body. And so... Um, I think it was finally the opportunity where the Lord said, Hey, you're, you're coming into this manhood, right? You know, what's, this is where I'm taking you, not mm-hmm. what's your next step. He, yep. he knew I was asking the question, what's my next step? He said, this is your next step. And at the time, all I could, all I could say was I was being called to ministry. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming back and reporting up to the church and everybody was super excited. Everybody immediately, Oh my gosh, you're going to be just like your dad. You're going to start <laughs> preaching. You're, you're going to have to get a church, you know, all this and that. And they're just like, you know, a super excited, which is exciting when somebody accepts this call to ministry. Cause it's, it's super important, mm-hmm. but I didn't quite, I, I have to admit, I didn't quite know what that meant. All I knew was, Hey, I was being called to some sort of ministry. I didn't know if it was youth ministry. I didn't know if it was men's ministry, what it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, to be honest, figuring that out. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah. Me too. And so from there, I did grow up and I did start to mature physically, mm-hmm. a little bit mentally, but spiritually, I just, I wasn't, I didn't quite catch it. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. didn't have good habits. I wasn't reading constantly. Right. I wasn't yeah. in the right company. I didn't, I was going, getting ready to go to school, you know, and I did go to college and fortunately I met, you know, my girlfriend, which became, is now my wife. Mm -hmm. But, you know, through those years, I didn't have a lot of good structure. My life wasn't set up for success. Right. And I I regret that. Uh, You know, I did make mistakes. I'm I'm human, just like Mm -hmm. everybody else is. And I know that there was trouble even in my home with my parents, you know, and just rebellious spirit and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I mean, I I have to be honest, my wife wouldn't let me leave here without saying, you know, I've rebelled Mm -hmm. pretty pretty well, Mm -hmm. you know. And, um, and it really hasn't been until the last couple of years that I really started to get serious about what it means in my life to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. What's it, what's my relationship with Christ look like? Yep. What is, what is this whole Jesus thing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause I've, I've had it for years and almost got used to it. Complacent. You know, it was kind of funny. There's not a whole lot of, you know, 20 through 26 year olds that you can call complacent in their, in their uh, faith. Cause a lot of folks come to, to Christ at that time in their life and right. it's fresh and it's new and they're on fire yep. and it's great. It was kind of funny. I was, I resembled that of a, a really old crippled, decrepit <laughs> deacon in some backwoods church who just lost the fire. You know, he just hadn't seen the light in so long, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean anything bad by that. I'm just saying it, I became complacent. Right. And so it wasn't through this awakening uh, and really what helped with that what really helped was uh, committing to come to church. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, when you're going to school, you have chapel, you have different things, you have different churches you can go to. Yeah. And it's hard to get, get in a groove. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. Um, so setting, setting up a structure really helped me mm-hmm. um, having my kids mm-hmm. and looking, looking at my baby girl, my daughter and thinking about what 
her life's going to look like if I don't get this figured out. Right. Right. And get on board. Cause you know, when I figure out that I'm human and I'm going to break things, <laughs> but I know the guy that can fix them, yep. you know, so really I, I have to rely 100% on him to, to make sure. And I still break things and he still fixes them. Fortunately, mm-hmm. his, his grace is sufficient, mm-hmm. but, um, through that. And then I also met, met guys. God has brought guys into this church that have come alongside me. I, I it's hard and not to backtrack, mm-hmm. but as a pastor's kid, it's really hard because what happens is, and, and I didn't really mention this is it's hard to grow out of that. Mm-hmm. When you come in here as a kid, they see you as that snot-nosed, awkward kid. Right. And right. it's hard to make that transition from pastor's kid to man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so finally coming to the point where there were gentlemen who didn't necessarily know me at that age, which mm-hmm. was really, really good for me, uh, but who could come in and be like, okay, this is a fellow man, you know, and I love Jesus too. Right. What's it look like if we're friends mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and we can talk? And we can visit and we can talk about man stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And so through. Podcasts. Yeah. And yeah. And podcasts, <laughs> you know, it really just spurred me on. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, it's like that's biblical or something, you know, mm-hmm. spurring each other on. Exactly. And yeah. so uh, that's really what kind of got me to the, the opportunity where I am now. And then, you know, accepting the, that I was called into ministry. What does that look like? And, and how can I. Uh, it, what's funny is, yes, I am helping facilitate a Wednesday night class for the men. But mm-hmm. my wife actually accepted the call to be uh, a facilitator of her women's class first. Oh. And it was through her call uh-huh. that I started. Uh-huh. She, she didn't tell me till later, but she said, Hey, now that you've decided that the Lord's calling you to, to lead this class, I'm, I'm really excited. It makes me feel a lot better. And I'm like, well, <clears throat> why? Yeah. And she's like, well, I felt like I was alone. I felt like I was doing it by myself. Mm-hmm. I felt like, uh, I was pushing ahead of you mm-hmm. and it made me think, wow. Okay. And just another point to, wow. Yeah. I mean, really are the spiritual leaders of their home, right? You're, right. you're leading your family, whether, whether you're leading them to God or away from God, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, and so, uh, through that, I have been able to teach this class and I'm, I'm excited to see where the Lord takes it from here. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad that you did. Honestly, like I, 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 uh, all glory to God. (laughs) mm, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, you know, that's, that's just as much your ministry as, as this is, you know, mine in this podcast. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from your testimony and what you said, because that, that is awesome. But I'm struggling with the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's crazy that, you know, God's brought us together for, for a podcast just to talk about this stuff. But Believe it or not, I literally messaged Roger today and asked. He's kind of, you know, the guy that I go to for questions and such. You know, he's kind of my counselor in a way. And uh, I messaged him today and I was like, hey, what? where in the Bible does it say, you know, this is what a, a relationship with God looks like? This is what it means to be sold out. Because I had those thoughts today. I was just mm-hmm. like, man, what is what does it really mean to be sold out to God? Because I really don't feel like I am, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm between those two ladders and I got a foot on each one, you know, <laughs> I'm not on one of them. Yeah. And I, I just asked him that and, and he sent me a, a passage in the Bible. I can't remember what it was cause I haven't read it yet, but he sent me something that I'm going to end up reading today. And, uh, just to kind of get an idea to figure it out. But I'm glad that you talked about that. And I'm glad that you kind of mentioned, you know, you're still trying to figure out your ministry. You're still trying to figure out 
your purpose and why you're here and you're still trying to figure out, you know, why, what it, what it really looks like to, to be in a relationship with God in a, a manly relationship with God, because, you know, I'm struggling with that exact same thing, which is awesome that we get to have this conversation too. Absolutely. I'm super excited. I, I think it's, you know, you, you have to make sure that you're secure in your relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once you, once you figure out, yes, I'm insecure, I'm, I am sold out, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to commit to this, this Jesus guy, right? which sounds horrible because, you know, it's, you're all in or you're all out exactly. anyway. And so I want to make it clear that I'm, I am all in and I have been, Yeah. Um, you just have to make up your mind. Am I going to continue to, to kind of limp along, mm-hmm. you know, by the skin of my teeth kind of thing? Or am I going to, am I going to be a productive constructive disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, am I going to be the, the approved worker, mm-hmm. you know, as mm-hmm. the Bible says, yeah. Am I going to be this guy? And I do want to mention one thing that's really important to me and that I want to pass on to you. What's been really important for me to find my direction and to really uh, be secure in where the Lord's lead me. Mm-hmm. It is super important. Who's in your corner. Mm-hmm. Super like people, can influence you mm-hmm. for the better or for, or for worse, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, we all know that, but we don't, I don't know that we necessarily take it seriously. Right. And yeah. it's something that I had to come to grips with and really is part of my whole part of, it is part of my testimony. There mm-hmm. were many times we, we, my wife and I, when we were dating, we had friends and they were great people and they loved us for who we were. Yep. Yep. Even when we weren't great, mm-hmm. which wasn't necessarily a good thing. Right. And the Lord, I, I see it now. It was so hard and so hurtful at the time, but they would just, they would just leave our lives. Mm-hmm. They were just pulled out. It was like they were just there one second and sucked out. Yep. And I didn't understand. I got angry because I was like, I just can't have friends. Mm-hmm. What I figured out is he was, he was helping cultivate the type of people he wanted mm-hmm. in my corner, mm-hmm. you know? And so people like my parents, you know, great people. Mm-hmm. He's my dad and he's my pastor, you know, my wife. God fearing, God loving woman. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Don't get awesome. any better than that. You nope. know what I'm saying? And, you know, men in my life, mm-hmm. even some men who did come and go because they were called on to things. They were, it was a right. seasonal yeah. thing. Yeah. They came in, said their piece, said what the Lord needed to, but if, if they'd stayed any longer, I might've stuck a little too hard to them. Right. You know, right. which is kind of a weird topic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but guys like that and the guys who are here and who, who have stayed and who, who have invested in me and who have, I've been able to invest in. Those are the people that are really important to have in your corner. Mm-hmm. And man, this is, I'm going to just, I'm going to be honest. It's crazy how much your story relates to mine. Yeah. Like I, you know, me and, and Caitlin, as, as we were going through that process of just dating and everything, uh, we were growing we were growing towards God. We were growing in our relationships with God, which is awesome. And then the the people that we thought were in our corner were not in our corner, you know? Like we were we we were really doing something that we were supposed to be doing. And like you said, like those people, those friends, they they just got sucked out, you mm-hmm. know, and it was so weird how it happened and it was upsetting, you know. I'm not going to sit here and lie. It, it was it was an upsetting time you know, for, for the things that, that may have been said and the, and how it all went, you know, uh, it was an upsetting time and it was, it was definitely a time where we had those, 
you know, questions of, well, you know, can I really have friends or, or were those people actually meant to be in my life? You know, you have those questions and almost sometimes regret. I can say (laughs) what's wrong with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I can openly say that we had those questions and in the end, you know, it comes back down to that, you know, that person, those people, maybe, you know, there was a purpose behind that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I always go back to that uh, thing that is said across social media platforms about, you know, God heard things that you didn't hear. He heard all kinds of stories and stuff and the way that, you know, people may have been talking specifically about you behind your back or whatever the case may be. You know, he heard that stuff that you didn't hear and he's removing those people so that you don't get hurt. Mm. And maybe, you know, it, maybe you are going through a little bit of heartbreak because the, because of those people that got removed, but he's saving you from a lot more heartbreak, like Mm. stuff that you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I, I always go back to that because that's the encouragement, I guess that I can find. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was kind of the same way that you, you guys experienced it or not, but mm-hmm. it, it's crazy how, how personal this has got towards me because I mean, it's, it's so true. It really is. It's so true. And, uh, you look back on it now and you realize that it was for the better. And, you know, those people that he did remove were meant to be removed. And, you know, it, it's just true. I, I don't know how else to explain it except for it's so true. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And uh, I've seen it in my life. You're seeing it in yours. And mm-hmm. I think other people have seen it as well. Maybe somebody's going through one of those uh, frenemies mm-hmm. stages, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's hard to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that that has helped me is is understanding where where my knowledge where my wisdom comes from where my where my help comes from mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's from the, that's from the lord yep. yep and so you know i don't know if you've ever done anything like this but i i went through a season and i'm i'm getting back into a season again where i i pray specifically for myself for wisdom and discernment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wisdom and discernment and knowledge and understanding yep. and insight and courage those six things those are like my words that mm-hmm. i speak not only over myself but over my family as well mm-hmm I want to, I want to have wisdom and discernment and everything. And it's kind of funny. You start to pray that. And I, I, I prayed it for a while years back and I actually started to get some (laughs) (laughs) And the world was a lot scarier place. Uh There's something to be said for being naive and Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. not a good thing. It's, we're not called to be naive. Um, Some things were, are left up to the Lord. You know, Mm -hmm. he'll give you a glimpse. If you really ask for it, he'll give you a glimpse and, and it'll scare the pants off you. you But, uh, but if you do that and you do it with a sincere heart and you are uh, with with good intention, you know, uh, he'll he'll give you wisdom mm-hmm. and he'll give you discernment through situations and even sometimes a little hindsight. Yeah, which is it is twenty twenty. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, that's so true. I've I've had uh, a season in my life where I just hammered proverbs. Like I mean, I hammered it, and you know that's. That's a book about wisdom, really. Mm-hmm. It's a book about fear of the Lord and wisdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the two b- biggest messages that I've got out of it, and I've read that book more times than I've probably read every other book. And th- those messages, I, I've definitely prayed those over myself, you know, asking for wisdom and asking for discernment, especially discernment, you know, in the in the times where 
you're looking towards the future of marriage, for instance, in my case, you know, you're, you're asking for that discernment and you're asking for, you know, is this person really the one that you've set out for me to end up marrying in the future, you know, and I, it's, it's one of those things where it comes from God, you know, it's, it's not going to come from anywhere else. You're not going to get it from your family. You're not going to get it from your friends. Like I'm, pretty sure in Proverbs it says wisdom comes from God. You you have to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've definitely prayed for wisdom before. Mm-hmm. And yes, <laughs> things get crazy. <laughs> things get crazy. But yeah, I I love the conversation that, that we've had. And I don't care how personal it gets at the end of the day, because I mean, it's it's just as much of a story to me as it is to everybody else and to you. So that's, that's awesome. I, I think that You've got a really good testimony, and I, I really think that the questions about the pastor's kid and stuff like that, you know, like I talked to you about before we really started recording, I feel like you were the most credible, and that's why I asked those questions. You know, I'm not just asking them to anybody. I'm asking them to the person that I felt could answer those questions and the person that I felt was credible in the end for that. So, uh Man, I don't know what else to do except for jump into this passage. Sounds good. So this this was actually, uh, I'm not going to take credit for it. Uh, it was definitely inspired by your dad. and <laughs> <laughs> He's good at that. Oh, yeah, he is. He's good at that. And he was already on the page, too. That's the funny thing. Huh. I, yeah, I was, we were how sitting co- there. How much of a coincidence. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just sitting down there getting ready to start our lesson on Wednesday night, and I just provided the question to him. I was like, yeah, what what do you want us to study? Or what, not what you want us to study, what would be something good to talk about? And he was already on the page, because obviously we're studying 2 Timothy. And he was like, yeah, talk about an approved worker. And and I'm not going to spoil it, but such, such <laughs> things. Yeah, so for sure. I, I've kind of thought about this a little bit as we're talking. And I feel like maybe we should read through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then go back through and apply the verses to the questions. Okay. Does that sound yeah, fine? Go ahead. All right, awesome. So this, if, if anybody is listening and wants to read along, this is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 14 through 26, I believe. Yeah, and I put 15 on my paper, but, you know, I'm not perfect, so... <laughs> So I'm reading out of NLT. What are, what are you reading out I've of? I've got CSB tonight. Okay. okay, that's fine. All righty. So starting in verse 14, it says, Remind everyone of these things and command them in God's name to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so that God can approve you. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid godless, foolish discussion that lead to more and more ungodliness. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. Uh, homogenous? I don't even know how to say that. And philetus are examples of this. They have left the path of truth, preaching the lie that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred, and they have undermined the faith of some. But God's truth stands firm like a fountain of stone with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and those who claim they belong to the Lord must turn away from all wickedness. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and made of silver, and some are made of wood and clay. 
The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones for everyday use. Excuse me. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith and love and peace. And enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to, to teach efficiently and be patient with difficult people. They should gently teach those who oppress the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will believe the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Man, that is, there's a lot of meat here. and it It's a steak dinner, boys. Oh, yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I, you know, it's one of those things. I read it at home before we came here, and... I obviously, you know, I was in my quiet space and I was reading and I was listening to myself talk and everything. And all the questions that I got are good, but you for the second time, well, third time, cause we, we listened to it on Wednesday nights for the third time of me hearing this and reading it, there's so much more meat and it, it, it's clear. It's more clear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not perfectly clear by any means, but it's more clear on what he's saying. So I think first of all, let's start with some backstory. You care to to maybe start with like the backstory of Second Timothy and uh, who's talking, why they're talking, you know, such things. Mm Because we've talked about it on Wednesday nights, but I think it's important to know what this book's about and who is talking. That way, you know, we can kind of dissect it a little better. Absolutely. So, from what I understand, this is a letter from Paul mm-hmm. to Timothy, yep. his his protege. Yep. More more or less, his taken adopted son. Yep. Um, Timothy is at the church of Ephesus. He's already wrote Ephesus. Paul has um, instructing the church on kind of how to how to behave, how to operate. Yep. And now he's talking to their pastor. Timothy's been uh, called and he's been ordained mm-hmm. by Paul and the elders of the church to be the pastor of this church. He, he, they've commissioned him. Right. And so now this is Paul's, you know, more or less, uh, love letter to his son, Timothy to say, Hey, this is just the last, you know, last few minute things mm-hmm. that I want to encourage you with before you take on this role. And you, and I pass this torch, so to speak to you yep. as you go and you take on your, your pastor your ministry, your, your gospel ministry. This is what I'm handing you. And so some believe this is Paul's last letter. Mm-hmm. Before he's actually ex- executed in Rome, and so that kind of, whether or not it's true, it kind of, with that in mind, the possibility of that gives a lot more meaning. You're mm-hmm. like, wow, yeah. these are potentially yeah. his last words to Timothy. Yep. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking whenever you were you, you were sitting there saying that. Like it it provides so much meaning, so mm-hmm. much purpose oh, yeah. to this text, and I mean, imagine being in Timothy's shoes. Oh, you yeah. know, man, that. It, even if he knew, like, these are the last things that I heard, you know, in a situation, uh, putting it in a more present perspective, you know, the last words that you may have heard from your dad or your mom or whoever before they passed away, like, those words mean things. Those mm-hmm. words have meaning. Mm-hmm. And and there's 
there can be so much love behind it, you know, depending on what they say, obviously. But there there can be so much love behind this passage and so much just meat in general and so much meaning. And yeah, that I mean, that's probably the best example that I can that I can really think of and give. And I mean, that's a good backstory too. That's exactly what I was kind of thinking. Obviously, you know, different words, but mm-hmm. I mean, you just you hit the nail on the head on that one. So I guess we can start diving into this, and I want to start with the title of this. And uh, for the people that are looking at their Bibles, the title of it is An Approved Worker. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the title of of just the encouragement for my questions. And I'm going to just start it off with the biggest question that I can ask, which is, what does it mean to be an approved worker for God's kingdom? You know, what is Paul saying here to Timothy about what it really means to be an approved worker? I love this question because I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was privy to some of the content we might cover tonight, and so I was thinking it over, mulling it over, chewing on it, you know, right. ruminating. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, some of the things that I, I gleaned from from this, you know, snippet of Scripture was, you know, things like purity uh, being the Lord's servant, you know, all these things. And, and it wasn't until I really got to thinking and kind of got through this that I had stopped. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 back up. What does it mean to be an approved worker? Well, first of all, to be an approved worker, you got to be a believer. Exactly. That's where it starts. You have to be a believer. Mm-hmm. And I know that's super elementary, maybe not exactly what Paul's talking about. He, he knows Timothy's a believer. Right. He, yeah. He's his son. He's his brother in Christ. You know, he's get, he's going to be a pastor of this church, you know, mm-hmm. which isn't always a given. Right. I get that. But right. we're pretty confident Timothy was a believer. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was kind of the, the realization I had as well. If you want to be an approved worker, first of all, you got to be a believer. And it made me think of this quote uh, by John. And no, this isn't the Apostle John. It's it's just John Wayne. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the quote is, goes something like this: "You have to be a man before you're a gentleman." Uh-huh. And uh, some some will know that what that movie that quotes from. But he, you know, he's talking about that. There's a step. There's a process there. If you're going to be an approved worker, you got to be a believer before you can be an approved worker. Right. You know. Right. And and you know the line in in the movie. Uh, says he misses on both counts. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that miss on both counts. Mm-hmm. You know, they do, they make a lot of smoke, but they don't get anything done. <laughs> right. And it just comes, right. and I mean, that sounds, you know, crazy and it's kind of laughable, but really it's sad because they, they don't have that relationship in the first place. They have mm-hmm. no foundation. Mm-hmm. And so in order to be an approved worker, you've got to be a believer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And that's, you know, that, that's, the beginning to it you know Mm -hmm. there's a beginning and there's an end and that's the beginning to it all is is you have to be a believer in the end because i mean if you don't believe in what you're working towards what's the point in working towards it you know there is no point exactly and that's kind of the point that i got from it like you got to believe in it you got to have faith in it. Mm -hmm. it you know i wouldn't be using this podcast as a ministry field to to speak to others about Jesus if I didn't believe in what I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. Because then my message would have no passion behind it, and there would be no compassion on the other end to the listeners, which I hope people have. I mean, you know, that's that's obviously not up to me. That's up to how people end up taking it and how God works in their hearts. But you got to have a purpose for it. And if you don't have that purpose for it and that passion for it, I don't see a point in doing it at all. Me either. So 
that speaking of passions, which is kind of kind of weird that I worked this in, but uh, my next question is: How do our feelings, such as maybe being afraid or being ashamed, and uh, I'm trying, I tried to find it in in this passage where we just read about just kind of feelings and stuff, but how can those things cause a problem and play a, a part in, you know, maybe not being a, an approved worker or maybe help us a little bit in becoming an approved worker. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of funny. I, I tend to be a little straightforward sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes a little too straightforward because that's how, that's how I am with myself. Uh, mm-hmm. It's gotta be super simple, stupid. Right. You right. know? And so <laughs> that's just how I operate and the Lord knows that. Uh-huh. And so, uh, I, I have to, you know, I have to be careful because not everybody operates like that. And I have to be, I have to be <laughs> conscious mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's, that's what I'm called to be. I'm supposed to be gracious and, and conscious of other people and, and how they operate so that way I can love on them the way that they need to be loved on. But, uh, when it comes to me and my relationship with the Lord, it's gotta be simple cause he knows I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. And so when I read that question, I was like, how do your feelings, uh, like being afraid or ashamed affect being a proof worker? And all I could get was you got to get over it. Mm-hmm. Like it was that simple. You got to get over it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, <laughs> right. I just, no. just the way I, no, I saw no. it, you get over it. That that's so true because I honestly just, in general, not only not just being an approved worker, but being a Christian in general, I've heard it so many times from my dad and my grandpa about you know I've I've talked to them about different things and just specifically my grandpa. I'll just I'll throw this story in there. I went through a season in my life where I just felt distant from God. Like I was reading my Word, I was on fire, and. I was going out and I was I was telling people about Jesus and and using social media as as a field to just talk to people, you know, even if they didn't want to listen. I was I that's just it was something that I was doing. But then I got so distant. Like I felt so distant. That word felt mm-hmm. is is what I want to hone in on. And I talked to my grandpa about it. And I just told him. I was like I feel distant from God. I'm praying. I'm doing everything that I should. I don't know what to do. And I was I was almost I I got so lost in the feeling of mm-hmm. it. And my grandpa just told me he's like, "Listen, he's like, you cannot base your relationship with God off of feelings. Mm-hmm. You can't do it." And I can't I I wish I would have would have thought about this with this question and looked it up because he gave me a passage in the Bible that that really spoke on it about, you know, not relying on your feelings. Mm-hmm. But I mean it it's it's in there somewhere. I know it is, but we can't rely on our feelings mm-hmm. throughout our relationship with God. We can't do it because if we do, feelings change. Mm-hmm. Feelings, you know, they they change and you can be feeling one way one moment and like I said, you know, I was on fire and then the next moment you're lost. Mm-hmm. And feelings change and what you have to rely on is the truth mm-hmm. and rely on the fact that although these things change, Jesus does not change. The word Absolutely. doesn't change. God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was basically the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. That's what he told me. He's like, mm-hmm. it, it was very simple. Like you said, can't rely on your feelings. Don't you rely can't. on them. You can't. Mm-mm. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who has a relationship with the Lord and yep. has had one for any amount of time experiences this. I think um, what it turns out to be is, is, 
the Lord strengthening you and strengthening your faith because not that he steps away, but he lowers the decibel. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there screaming at him. Yeah. God, I love you. God, I trust you. I, I know you're, I know you're going to save me. Mm-hmm. I, I know all this. I know all this truth. And really all he's saying is, Hey, be still, mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. bask mm-hmm. in my glory. Yeah. And you know, so when you used, cause I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've had mm-hmm. one of these within the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a song by Zach Williams, heaven help me. Yep. Screamed that song, screamed it alone uh-huh. because I just, heaven help me. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling so hard with finding where I'm at. I'm struggling with, you know, petty sin. Yep. Yep. Things like talking poorly to my family, you know, getting mad at somebody going down the road and things that everybody struggles with from day to day, but just the things that would just tear me down. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I know you're there and I need help. Heaven help me. Yep. And it wasn't until I finally got to the moment. He's like, Hey, I tell you what, just turn the music down a little bit mm-hmm. and just, just relax. Mm-hmm. I'm here. My grace is sufficient yep. for you. Yep. And <laughs> when I realized that, you know, it's helped. I still have uh-huh. my moments. Don't get me wrong, but it, it helped for the most yep. part. And that, I think that that's very hard to do. I really, mm-hmm. I, it, it is extremely hard to do whenever you're in a situation like me where you were on fire and you were doing all mm-hmm. this stuff for God and you were out and, you know, you felt like you were running on a treadmill at 10 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, you were going fast and you felt like you were doing all this stuff, which is all good. But in those moments where God just says, be still, and you can't hear it because you're going a thousand miles an hour mm-hmm. and he's just sitting there. You know, he's waiting for you to calm down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think looking back on it, that's exactly what he was doing. You know, he was he was waiting for me to just and relax for a minute. You know, and we get going throughout our daily lives doing stuff, and we get going trying to do all this stuff for him. And and sometimes we just need to rest. I mean, you know, on the seventh day, God rested, <laughs> and sometimes we just need to rest. But uh, going into the the song a little bit, I think mine was uh, "No Hopeless Soul." Mm-hmm. I I I can't remember the artist because I didn't really care that much. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so focused on that title and what that song was speaking about. You know, God's always there. There's no hopeless or helpless soul, hopeless soul. Yeah, hopeless. There's no hopeless soul out there. You know, God is always with you. He is always there. No matter how distant you feel, he is there. And that that is what I grasped to in those moments. And I screamed that song. Mm-hmm. I was riding home, you know, in, in my truck, screaming it, windows down, blaring. I didn't care who heard, <laughs> you know. And uh, You were hoping somebody would hear it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hoping that maybe somebody had an answer maybe. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, I... it's definitely definitely a song that I cling to Mm -hmm. a lot but yeah but going back I know we kind of got off topic but you know maybe somebody else is struggling with that maybe we just help somebody you never know that's what I hope (laughs) yeah but going back uh, you can't rely on your feelings no you really can't they change above all hearts deceitful yep among all things yep And, and and your feelings change but but God doesn't change never he doesn't never so speaking about feelings one more time, you know, how can, how can one person move past those? Do you think what encouragement maybe do you have for, for somebody to just, I know it sounds hard to say, but ignore them, you know, almost ignore your feelings and, 
and lean in towards God mm-hmm. and just breathe for a minute and mm-hmm. ignore every ignore that anxious feeling about what's going on ignore that that distant feeling and just dive into your word and it, you know that may be the answer i don't know mm-hmm. but what what answer oh, do you do you have to you know how we move past those feelings i th- i think you definitely want to spend time in the word mm-hmm. i've never regretted it nope and i've never had an experience with it where i felt well that was a waste of time mhm you know, even in those, mo- you know, those moments where you do feel distance, it's not for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime you can, you know, read the word and, and begin to, to learn it and retain it, it, it becomes a weapon to be used later against your fear and against your anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so don't discount that. I think right. another thing that you have to be really careful of and what's really been a conviction for me is you have to, you have intakes and you have outtakes, mm-hmm. you know. Things go out based yep. on what comes in. Yep. And so a thing that really came to my attention is what am I intaking? Mm-hmm. I, am I am I around negative people? Am I listening to neg- negative people? Regardless of whether I'm, quote, listening to them or not. Right. If they're around it or around me and I'm, I'm around it, that's going to affect me. Another thing that affected me is what kind of music do I listen to? Yeah, man, I'm from the Midwest mm-hmm. and I'm a fan of some country music mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, I'm pastor son. Yeah. I'm a believer. And yeah, I'm, I even facilitate a class in church, but I still, I hear that, that twang, that still guitar and man, mm-hmm. I light up. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love the music and yeah. you know, and, and some of the songs they're fun and some songs aren't necessarily that bad, but mm-hmm. what happened was I started realizing even those songs, they weren't productive. Right. They yeah. weren't a good intake for me. Mm-mm. And so I've pretty much sworn off of it. it it's really hard. Yeah. Because I'll be sitting at the steakhouse and hear a song come on. I'm like, I know every word to that song. Yep. I love that song, but it's not it's not beneficial for me. Right. And so I have to go get back in the car and listen to Christian music or, you know, replace it. Yep. Another thing is what I watch on TV. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, dude, if I'm sitting there watching Friends, great show. Mm-hmm. Love that show. But it is not productive. Mm-hmm. But when I turn on Chosen... Yeah. Or I watch yeah. a show or a movie on, you know, somebody who who's had a great experience with the Lord or I listen to a sermon. It's it's what I intake. Yep. And that's really been those little shifts or changes, you know, who I hang out with, what I listen to, what I watch, even those three right there, along with reading the word, make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. And that's how I personally combat fear, anxiety, anything I don't feels productive for the Lord in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with all that. I think that from my experience, I I'm going to piggyback off of what you said a little bit about diving, you know, into, into the word and everything. And I'm going to further the conversation that my grandpa and I had. And he just told me, he was like, listen, you need to move closer to God. You do. Whenever you feel distant from God, the best thing to do is move closer, you know, very simple, mm-hmm. keep it simple, stupid, very I simple, it. I love it. but it's, it's so true. Like whenever you feel distant to God, move closer, mm-hmm. try, you know, try to move closer. At least you may mm-hmm. not feel like you're moving closer, but you need to try to move closer and ignore those feelings. Don't stop exactly. because you will drift away. Yep. yep. <laughs> Don't stop and wait 
uh, the be quiet thing is I'm not saying stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just saying, make sure you're in tune with what he's saying as you're moving closer. Exactly. (laughs) I think that's worth saying. Uh Yeah. Because I, I can say that you get in that mindset where you're like, okay, be still. And you just quit everything. You quit reading, you quit praying and you just sit there. And that's not the answer at all. No. no, no, no. You have to you have to keep moving. You you know, it, I can't remember exactly where it's at, but uh, it may be in Timothy again about uh, talking about a ship, you know, steered by by the wind, mm-hmm. you know, going into, or I guess now we can talk about a boat and its rudder, you mm-hmm. know, steered by its rudder and what direction that's going. And, you know, that water runs through that propeller and through that rudder, and you you still have to point it in a direction. You still have, you know, if you're not pointing it in a direction, if it's not turned on, you're not going to move anywhere Mm -hmm. and you have to keep moving somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that, that was definitely something that my dad mentioned to me. He was like, you know, whenever your boat's sitting still in the water, where are you going usually? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're in the river, you're going to go backwards. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, you're going to drift apart. Mm -hmm. You're going to go backwards, but you have to keep moving up river, whether that you know, whether that be you're going left and right and you're going in zigzags and you're not really getting <laughs> up river, getting anywhere, you know, you still have to keep going. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of the, I guess, the advice that I had kind of got from from my family. And uh, we're getting right at an hour. So I'm going to go ahead and pray us out of here and shut this down. And I, then we're going to we're going to start a part two. Sounds so good. um Thank you guys for for listening to this part one. If you enjoyed this conversation, tune back into part two. (laughs) So I'm going to cut this off so that it's not, you know, two hours long of people listening to stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and pray us out of here. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week and uh, just, just keep tuning into your relationships with God. I think that that's, that's something that we've really hit on. So dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day, God. I thank you for the opportunity that you've given Heston and I to come together and have these real world conversations, these, these, uh, very relatable conversations that, that people may be struggling with things right now, Lord. And I pray that you would just touch that person's heart, Lord, the one that, that may be struggling with any of these things, Lord, I, I just pray that you would help them and bless them. And, and maybe it's somebody close to us, you know, I pray that you would just use us for, for their benefit in the end, you know, maybe, maybe they, they didn't know that we were struggling with this stuff and maybe our stories and, and the things that we say can help them, Lord. So I just ask that you would just bless that person and watch over them and lead guide and direct them and keep them safe. And, and Lord, just be with the, the ones that are listening to this that may not have any struggles that that are just they're just listening in and hearing your word, God. I pray that you would just bless them and watch over them and keep them safe, God. And I just thank you for all the many blessings that you give us each and every day. I pray that you would just watch over Heston and I as as we're sitting here giving your word to the ones that need to hear it, God. And I I just pray that you would forgive us where we fall short because we do each and every day and and we probably will as soon as we leave here. And I just I just pray that you would forgive us and and I thank you for your grace and your kindness and your love for us, Lord. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.